0: It's Wednesday on Weagle, and that means it's time for some tailgate talk with Christian and Donovan, your go-to for all things college football. So get ready for a recap and a breakdown of all the college football scores, news, and predictions. So drop your tailgates, grab your playbooks, and get ready to talk some football.
1: I'm about to say not at all. It's the first like rainy day we've had in a while here at Auburn. I was just thinking to myself yesterday, we haven't had rain in a while here, but I guess God brought brought plenty of it today. I mean, it's it's storming out there. It is,
0: yeah. I mean, we even kept the kept the lights low in the studio to match the vibe outside, but at the same time, it's almost a, a romantic vibe in here, and you know, not necessarily. You <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean
1: how can you not be romantic about college football? No, it it's hard not to. No, I actually like the vibe, the, little, the lights turned down, talking a little college football. I mean, what I mean, what else would we be talking about on Wednesdays at 3? It's I mean, just we got to be talking there's about more, college football. There's nothing else that goes on. We got another great show for you all this afternoon. We're
0: going to start with a week, week 6 recap followed by the He is the Man, the new segment there similar to a helmet sticker. where you pick the number 1 college football player of that weekend? we are then going to follow it with who's hot who's not and then we'll cap it off with a gauntlet of a week 7 but first thing how about the Braves how about the Braves how about <laughs> okay
1: yeah yesterday wasn't the wasn't the best uh Braves dropping game 1 of the divisional series versus the Phillies, 7-6. Uh, thought thought we had a chance to come back, and we just didn't. We just, It felt like we got base runners on throughout the game and just couldn't ever convert. And it's, it's weird to say that you score six runs, you kind of figure you should still win that, but it, it felt like the Braves definitely left a lot on the base pads there.
0: They definitely did. I mean, including the first two of three innings, had the bases loaded, didn't score with either of them. Uh, the bullpen, once again, looked very good, as they did last postseason, went five and two-thirds, only allowing four hits and one earned. Uh, With seven Ks, but again, if your bullpen has to go five and two-thirds in game one, shows that something didn't go as planned, and that was Freed start going three and a third Allowing eight hits, four earned runs, and only two strikeouts.
1: Yeah, it's hard when you're ace, especially when I mean I think most people consider Max Free to be one of the best pitchers in MLB. When he does that to start off the playoffs, it's not it's not really what you want. It kind of scares you a little bit, like oh, like if Freed's not gonna get it done, like who is? But you know, it was just game one, get the kinks out. You know, you never know. Just I'm not too worried about it. I feel like we'll pull it pull it away. Uh, today but they are in a rain delay though. So I don't know. I don't I don't know if the weather is going to clear up for today's game.
0: Yeah, I was going to say they're kind of they're kind of blessing us cuz they were going to uh we were going to have a the first pitch here about halfway through our episode, but we might actually have time to to get back and watch it because yeah, once again, we have no idea when this rain is going to clear up. I would imagine they have to get it done tonight though because tomorrow is supposed to be the travel day before F- uh, game 3 in Philly. So, I'm guessing that they're going to do everything they can to to get it through sometime tonight.
1: Yeah, hopefully they can. Uh, hopefully the world, weather will clear up a little bit to where they can get that first pitch off, and the Braves can get a much-needed win going to Philly for game three. Uh, but the Falcons, unfortunately, we did lose the uh, the game for the division or for the division lead against Tampa Bay. I don't know if you watched the Christian, 21-15. Uh, we made a little comeback there. They were beating us pretty good. And then on the final drive, Bucs had the ball around midfield, We sacked Tom Brady, Grady Jarrett coming off the edge with a great sack. And they call Ruffin the Bastard for – Grady Jarrett just tackling him, and that pretty much sealed the deal. Are you allowed to tackle people in football? Well, see, I thought you were, but apparently you're not. So, oh, um, he did not ask. He didn't ask for permission. He didn't ask for permission. That's he, what it was. He, he didn't I mean. go up and politely ask the refs uh, with the handshake, "May I tackle Mr. Brady?" And the ref still would have said, "No, you may not. You're actually not allowed
0: to you're, hit Brady." You're touching. At all. You're, tu- you're, gonna, you're touching my franchise quarterback. No, 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 my, no, my no, 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 no. my quarterback. No, I don't. I don't think
1: so. No, but like, look again. Even everybody was saying how egregious this call was. I just feel like as especially the NFL like I get I get we need we need rules to keep the players safe but I mean that's just like he tackled him at the waist and just kind of threw him down didn't even throw him down he made a tackle he he and, tackled him and happened to
0: when he tackled him I guess, rolled over Yeah, his him.
1: momentum carried him. It wasn't even egregious. Like, it didn't, like no. he didn't even hit him that hard. He just sacked him. They called it. So, I don't know, very heartbreaking. And I don't want to say, like, that's the reason we lost because, I mean, who knows, do, do the Falcons get the ball back and do they score? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But I, I feel like they need to do something about these rough and the passer calls because, I mean, literally, you can't hit the quarterback at all anymore without it being called.
0: No, you really can't. And, I mean, I don't want to make speculations, but it's almost like the referees are very concerned and trying to cover up their tracks with the Tua injury. That it's like we have to be overly cautious to the extent of yeah, you can't even go and go and make a tackle anymore. I saw something um, from the when did, was it the Thursday night game that was the Bengals and Ravens or was yeah. that the Sunday night game? I think that was Thursday. No, it wasn't. It was no, a Sunday game. No,
1: because the Thursday was the Colts and yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a that was a that was a heck farm of a burner. game. That was a barn burner.
0: Yeah, no, but the Sunday night game, there were there was a couple times when Lamar would go out and scramble, and there were a couple times where yeah, he got got leveled on a run, and it was like, oh my gosh, I can only imagine what the refs would do if uh, if that was Tom Brady who just went out on a scramble didn't didn't get down in time. I mean, they'd have that dude arrested. No,
1: it's like Lamar's getting the Cam Newton treatment, where you can yeah. you, you can hit him as hard as you want because the, I guess they feel like he's more of a runner than a passer. Which it's weird how they uh, how they kind of show privilege to some quarterbacks and not to others especially I guess when you're when you're the goat and you're what 45 years old and you're you're old I guess you need a little help but that does get us into our week six recap and the first game we're going to talk about Tennessee uh these guys are seriously uh, – these guys are maybe serious title contenders, I would say, at this point. Blowing out LSU 40-13, to hitting a hooker, got it done again. Not a great game, but, again, it didn't really have to be. He threw for 240 with two touchdowns. The Tennessee rushing for 263 yards as a team, just total domination against the Tigers.
0: Yeah, uh, I remember watching Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. It seemed like special teams was always the thing that he couldn't quite figure out. And this, play, or this game was domination from the opening kickoff. Literally, because LSU got the ball or LSU uh, elected to receive and Tennessee, I mean, I don't want to say pooch punted it, but didn't kick it all the way and uh, went off the dude's chest and Tennessee recovered. A couple of plays later, they scored. Uh, Sorry, uh, LSU went three and out. And then another punt return for like forty or fifty yards, and next thing you know, there's eleven minutes left in the first quarter, and it's fourteen to nothing. So it's it's one of those things. Brian Kelly just can't seem to come over. Uh, the kryptonite of special teams, and I mean, yeah, again, we get to look at Tennessee and Bama coming up this weekend.
1: No, big one. Uh, don't I? We don't really have much talk about that. Again, Tennessee with a really. I say big win, but they kind of made it look easy. Uh, next game, TCU winning a really close – this was a big matchup. This is probably my my game of the week, or at least in terms of hype. Uh, TCU and Kansas were both undefeated. TCU did get the win, uh, 38-31. Max Duggan, the quarterback for TCU, three for 308. Four total touchdowns, three passing, one rushing. Did throw an interception, but uh, really good game by him. But what's kind of interesting, though, Kansas – if you looked at the, the stat sheet, Kansas outgained – TCU in pretty every in every stat and time of possession yard. I think they had them by yards in over a a, a hundred and the uh, the turnovers were the same too. I think they both had two apiece. So if you if you look at the stat line, you probably you probably don't understand why TCU won this game unless you actually watched it.
0: Yeah, no. And once again, talking about Kansas being able to move the ball without Jalen Daniels, Jason being he played phenomenal through uh, Daniels' injury. You wouldn't have thought that he would be the backup for Daniels. Uh, Jason Meenum, we went 16 of 24, 262 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, it's a solid stat line for for any quarterback, much less someone who doesn't necessarily have the expectation to come in. So major credits to him for being able to flip that switch. And, uh, I mean, you hear coaches talk about it all the time, be the next man up, be mentally prepared. You never know when your time's going to come. And you, obviously coming in against, against uh, TCU here, and I mean – I'm guessing he'll be the starter for the next couple of weeks, too. So, it'll be interesting to see where Kansas goes because the Big 12 is deep this year.
1: No, they are. The Big 12 is very good. I mean, obviously, we have a huge big uh, 12 game coming up this weekend. Okie State and TCU's is in it again against them. It's uh, at TCU. But, no, I've, I feel like this was a really important game for both teams. And I feel like nobody – Kansas did get the loss, but I, I still think they're really solid. I think they looked really good in the loss. Again, they – you looked at the stat line – Kind of looks like they should have won, but yeah. you know that that's just kind of how football is sometimes, where you might could play the better game, but you don't quite get the win. That brings us to Mississippi State blowing out my Arkansas Razorbacks, just absolutely crushing them, forty seventeen. Uh, a KJ Jefferson-less Arkansas, uh, which I feel like if he's not out there, then Arkansas is just is pretty much nothing without him. Uh, that's the kind of the consistency I've thought of. Will Rogers, uh, I'll talk about him in a little bit. Goes for four hundred and three touchdowns. And then Arkansas with ten penalties for eighty-four yards, so just just a bad showing, uh, just all around for the Razorbacks.
0: Yeah, it really was. I mean, Mike Leach is definitely doing something right, whether he's giving wedding advice or not. He seems like he's. What was it this, this week? It was it was coffee. It was coffee, some, yeah. How bad coffee tastes or something. That's just a bad um, opinion, but I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> not going to hate on him too bad for yeah, it. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, when your quarterback goes for four hundred and three touchdowns and you're five and one in the SEC West, I mean, you can you can afford to say what you want to say, and you're not going to get. <laughs> Not going to get critiqued too hard. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to this Mississippi State game this weekend. They're rocking the all-white unis. I don't know if you've seen that. I actually have. Um, but they're rocking them this weekend on the road versus Kentucky. So I'm looking forward to it. And it brings us to, uh, oh, man, the game that hurts college football fans because you really don't want to see a winner. As, as weird as that is to say, te- Texas A&M and Alabama, <laughs> you're almost okay if, if neither team wins.
1: Yeah, I would have been perfectly okay if both teams would have got that loss, and I would have been really okay if the team that did get the win would have lost. Uh, a lot of people say should have the second game where Bama looked like they were destined to lose, and they did not. Bama had four turnovers to A&M's one, and still won, which is it's kind of insane when you think about that. Whenever whenever you win the turnover battle by three, you think that oh that's a that's a that's a win for us, but no, Bama gets it done again, just like how they seem to always do it, even when they have a terrible game. They just seem to always pull it out, just pull it out out of thin air.
0: They really do. I mean, Jalen Milrow was a rocky start. He went 12 of 19 for 111 yards. He did have three touchdowns, but when you're looking at an Alabama quarterback, you're so used to seeing Bryce Young up there throwing for 400, 500 yards. So when you see an Alabama quarterback throw for 111 yards, it immediately raises little question marks of, okay, all right, well, where did the offense come from? And that offense came from Jameer Gibbs. Um you know, Milrow might have been rocky. G- Gibbs was not. 21 carries for 154 yards. Didn't have a touchdown because those three touchdowns came from Milro. But if you got a back that's going to go for 150 every game, that can help you with a couple of the turnovers.
1: I'm about to say, I think I'll take that. Uh, I'm going to give a little shout-out to A&M's defense. I mean, they kept them in the game. I mean, I know they uh, Bama did kind of run all over them, but – when you calls four turnovers. And I feel like if you hold BAM to 24, you're doing something right. You're giving your team at least a chance to win. Just that A&M offense just can't do anything until it seemed the last quarter seemed like they were making that little comeback. And then what did you think of that last play that Jimbo uh, cooked up?
0: I'm actually We're actually going to talk about that in here in a little bit. I don't oh, want to go too okay. far into it. But it, it was kind of funny. I feel like for once the world finally agreed with Johnny Manziel and everything that he had to say. <laughs> I feel like he hasn't been – the most popular figure the best role model over the past couple of years but talking about the frustration within that play seems like everybody seemed to agree with him but yeah shout out to the to the m defense and like we talked about last week you give this isn't the early 2010s anymore where SEC games are going to be nine to six like the LSU Alabama game or 13 to 10. you give up 24 points in an SEC game. You almost feel like you should win that game. I mean, that's almost a half for for some teams or for some games.
1: No, you feel like, yeah, you feel like if you go into a game and oh, we can hold this team to twenty four on the road. Too. Yeah, most of the time you're like, okay, we're gonna win that game because what our because as an offense in the SEC, you want to score at least twenty eight a game. Yeah, twenty eight a game at least because a lot of times that that's not gonna be enough in this new age of football. It's it, it's weird to see how like maybe other conferences had these like 50 point games where like both teams are in the 50s yeah. and then you have the SEC with the the 14 to 10 wins, 17 14 wins. It's not really that way anymore. No, it's and to me, I mean this is a low scoring game, 24-20. I mean, I know that's probably like controversial to say and like it doesn't look like it's a low scoring game, but I mean in today's
0: football, 24-20, that's a that's a pretty your defense probably played a pretty good game. Yeah, I mean if you allow Alabama's offense to get I mean essentially if you get 3 good drives and a field goal that stalls on a drive, that's four good drives if you're getting 10 drives a game. I think you'd take Bama scoring on only 40% of them. So yeah, once again it's kind of a it's a weird age to where you know again, I don't think you see, you're going to see the SEC putting up 63 every single game competitively. But yeah, low 20s, even I mean honestly in certain games even high 20s, early 30s can still be considered a good defensive performance.
1: Yeah, it just kind of depends on how the game plays out. But we are going to take a little break. When we do come back, we will be doing the He is the Man segment, also with the world-famous Who's Hot and Who is Not. But you are listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1. It is now time. For another one of Christian's babies, I I feel I feel I, I feel like I need to really step up and start making some segments of my own. But Christian did come up with this one. I like it a lot. It's he is the man? Uh, who do you got for that?
0: Yeah. So we're gonna go back to the TCU Kansas game once again. Uh, TCU taking care of Kansas. I don't know. I don't know if I should say taking care of TCU escaping with a thirty-eight thirty-one victory. Max Dugan is is legit. And that TCU TCU offense is coming to life, but there's there's a particular player who is who come out who came out against against Kansas that really helped lead the way. I'm giving my helmet sticker or I'm giving my he is the man to Mr. Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver from TCU, uh, 14 receptions, 206 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, we talk about why that offense is legit. It seems like Dugan's been carrying the load for the mo- the past couple of weeks, but I mean, that's a pretty solid stat line against a good Kansas defense. 14 receptions, 206 yards, and a touchdown.
1: No, it's kind of weird. I'm I just I literally just looked it up, and nobody else on the team had above two receptions, and he had 14. Yeah. Uh, for yeah, again, what you said, over 200, about 15 yards per reception. That's. I think I'll take that. I'll take that from my receiver. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, that's would, I would say that
0: would get the job yeah, done.
1: Get the gets the job done. We've already talked a little bit about him, but uh, Will Rogers for uh, quarterback from Mississippi State. Uh, I I wanted to do. I will I will next week, I promise, unless somebody just plays out of their mind. I'll, I'll do somebody else besides a quarterback. We probably need to get a defense player in here at some point too. But Will Rogers, I mean, throws for 400 uh, yards and three touchdowns uh, against uh, Arkansas. And they, they blew him out. So, I just feel like I would give him a little bit more credit. That's just – that's I mean, that's not a solid stat line. That's a great stat line against – and, again, I don't think Arkansas is that bad. I feel like that's a decent team that he just kind of tore apart.
0: They did. And, I mean, a special shout-out to him and special credit to him just because I feel like he – especially – in the booth here, not that he listens to us or cares what we think or anything, but I feel like we've ridiculed him a little bit. We're, we've sitting there, we've sat there and gone, "Okay, is he going to be consistent? Is he going to be able to get the job done week by week?" And there's been a couple times where we've said, "No, nah, I don't think he's going to," and he continues to prove us and the entire country for that matter wrong. As again, Mississippi State's five and one. I mean, it's a it's a pretty solid solid year so far for him. And he's going to look to can you, look to keep it going.
1: Yeah, no, it's kind of weird for Mississippi State. I was going to say it when we were talking about their game, but I just I want to know what happened in that LSU game because they, I mean, State's been playing at like out of their mind, and LSU does not look good at all. Like, how did LSU just dominate them so bad? Just I think it's just like a weird game because I, I think if they play it again, that game's it might be a reverse. Like Mississippi State might run away with it in the uh, against LSU. I don't, I, don't I, I still don't get that game. It's like an anomaly.
0: Yeah, league. it's like one of those games where it's all right. You better play them before they figure it all out. And yeah. It seems like whether they made changes following that game or that game just happened to be one of those flukes but yeah uh, Mississippi State in the West they could could cause up a little a little bit of chaos
1: no just a little bit of chaos but it is now time uh for my partner in crimes favorite segment uh who who who's hot and who is not
0: so who do you got who is hot I'm going to start with it it might be a little bit too soon for Auburn fans But Bo Nix is having fun. (laughs) Bo Nix is having fun. And just how much fun is he having, do you say? Well, following the two-interception game against Georgia, Bo Nix has 1,353 passing yards, 12 passing touchdowns. He has 294 rushing yards, averaging 8.3 yards a carry. And he has eight rushing touchdowns and just one turnover. That's that's that'll, that'll that'll work most of the time I would say. I would say that sounds pretty
1: good. Sounds like those are really good stats and it's it's almost like um some um, a fan base might be regretting trying to, you know, drive him out of town.
0: Yeah. I would, <laughs> uh, and if we want to add another stat line on top of it, he does have one reception for 18 yards. Uh so you know, that's just a little cherry on top. It's good average. And to make it a, to make it even more crazy, he has not played in the fourth quarter twice. And he has not played the entire half once. So essentially, he has not played an entire game with four missing quarters. And that stat line, in take away the Georgia game, we've played. they've played five other games. That's basically four games if he's missing four quarters. So he's basically putting up almost 400 yards passing a game. And three touchdowns and eight rushing. I mean, that's just... It's a crazy stat line to think about it, and I think you're going to stick with quarterbacks too, aren't you?
1: Oh, I am, big time. I've got Quinn Ewers just coming back. Uh, we saw him against Bama, and a lot of people, including myself, thinks if he's healthy, uh, Texas wins that game. and They might win that game kind of running away with it because he looked really stout. Uh, but, no, he, he came back this week and just kind of lit it up. I wouldn't say played off his mind, but 21-31, to 31, 289 uh, passing, four touchdowns, only one interception. I feel like that that gets the job done. Again, they're uh, Texas is undefeated when he's under center. Their only two losses have come against Bama and Texas Tech, both super close games where Quinn Ewers was either uh, he played in the Bama game, but like literally only for a drive. So I don't know. It, and it has here. Does Texas have playoff potential with Ewers? I feel like they do,
0: but did they already kind of mess up by losing two? I I mean. I don't know. I, I would say confidently that Texas is the best four and two team in the country right now. Though I think that's that's easy. Whether you're looking at Utah, who's four and two, I think Texas would go there and and blow them out. Uh, I don't. It's tough because you know obviously a two loss team hasn't made it to the college football playoff yet. There's only been a couple like we've talked about that have even gotten respectable uh, accreditation for it. And, I mean, if you're looking at the the schedule ahead, I mean, it really is a gauntlet. Iowa State, they play this weekend. I feel like they're always known for for one weird upset every single season. That's followed by Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU, Kansas, and Baylor, all of which are ranked except for Baylor, who's lost two of their last three. Uh, But, I mean, even then, that Baylor team is not one that you can overlook. But with that said – Texas offense is definitely not one that you can overlook with Ewers, and if all of a sudden you know Ewers isn't having the best game over, well, let's hand the ball off to Bijan Robinson, who arguably might be the best best running back in the country. You have the two of them; that offense is scary.
1: Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate for Texas because again, that program's kind of been in a lull for for so long. They can't get the coaching right, and they they hire Sarkisian, which I didn't think was a great hire. But to be honest with you, if Ewers is healthy. They're probably six zero right now, so or five and zero. I don't, whatever. They're undefeated if uh, Ewers is healthy, which I know that kind of stinks for Texas fans, knowing how good they could be. But
0: who's your number one hot? Oh, I got one more thing for for that game. Uh, just one little one little note here, and I, I I agree with it. I keep trying to to some to tell myself that I'm thinking of it in a weird way, but I really do think it's true in college football, or football especially, but especially in college football, you can get away with a bad defense if you have a great offense. I know that's a really weird thing to think about because it's saying the defense wins championships, but I really do think if you have a great offense, you can overcome a very poor defense. But if you're looking at it flipped, there is no way that you're going to be able to do anything if you have a great defense but a very bad offense. No,
1: nah, I'm mean, a good example of that. I wouldn't say Auburn has a great defense, but they looked they did—they good against Georgia for a good bit, but when, you're, when your offense can't move the ball at all and you got to keep on holding the line, then... There's really nothing you can do. If you have a bad offense, you're you're not winning in college football. It's just plain and simple. Yeah, no. I
0: mean, as we're looking at it, again, we, we are a decade past, I think, honestly, the saying of offense wins games, defense wins championships. I would say that defense wins drives, but offense wins games. I mean, honestly, I think if that's the way that you need to think about it nowadays because you can't put up 14 points anymore and expect to win. You're going to have to be able to outscore the offense. And if you have a great offense – I mean, look at two thousand nineteen. LSU's defense was—it was pretty solid, but that offense was just absolutely insane. You could—you could put the ball in Burrow's hands and be like, "All right, go get me seven, And seven out of the eight times in a game, he'd be able to do that. So a great offense, I really do think, can be or can overcome a very poor defense. But one defense who is not poor at all is Shane Beamer's South Carolina team. He got questioned early on following a couple losses in a post-game interview, asked if that team had any heart left or if they had left any heart. And he got criticized for his answer, and I don't really understand why. He basically said no. Like, why would you question what we're doing in the locker room? Why would you Why would you doubt that these kids have heart? And I mean, I feel like that's a great answer as a coach. And as they defeat Kentucky 24-14 to this weekend, Beamer celebrates with his shades on in the locker room. And I honestly didn't really think too much about it, after the game, I was like, oh, Beamer, you know, he did his, you know, he celebrated like coaches do. But the more I looked into it, I realized that there was a lot more backstory behind it. I remember a video in the off season, right before the SEC media days of Shane Beamer doing his little get my swag on dance on the Twitter, and that went completely viral um, just for a coach doing like a TikTok trend and, and getting on that. So all of South Carolina loved it. Well, I can tell you who didn't love it, and that's Mark Stoops for – for Kentucky, uh, at SEC Media Days, he said, quote, not not adding Shane Beamer, uh, at least not directly, but he said, quote, it's easy to change the climate of a program. You just need to change a uniform, talk a little game, dance around, put on some stupid sunglasses, and you can change the climate. Whew. Wow. You tell me that this game wasn't circled on their game roster or their their game clip every single week. I mean, you look at a quote like that, that's not even coming at a team. That's coming at a man trying to do what he needs to do to recruit. And what better, what better way to celebrate a win for Shane Beamer than to put on your shades and play put my swag on. In the visiting locker room at Kentucky.
1: No, congrats to him for real. I just I remember that interview because it went, it went uh, not the interview, but the when the reporter asked him like the does this team still have heart? And his like answer went viral and people were like making fun of him, yeah. like he answered it wrong. Like what would you want him to say? Like
0: yeah, yeah, we actually really did give up and you know, <laughs> yeah, we're done. And you know I'm actually gonna walk out of this locker room and I'm probably not gonna ever put on South Carolina stuff again. We're completely done. We're just gonna like I don't
1: no no I I thought the answer was good. And I, I like how, you know, he, he used some expletives, and I liked it. You know, which I, I, li- I like that fire in a yeah. coach. Like, people always make fun of me. I always, always love Will Muschamp. I love I love how he just, like, gives the refs, like, just just heck all throughout the game. And, yeah, that can be bad for you. But, no, congrats to Shane Beamer in South Carolina, getting a huge win over, I think, a good Kentucky team. I've, Will Levis uh, wasn't playing the quarterback for Kentucky, but that's still a huge win. So, real quick, we're going to have to probably rush through these a little bit. So, who
0: are your knots? Yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to get through all these, but we'll start with it. Uh, The first one is its news to me. Uh, Kansas quarterback Jalen Daniels, who we talked about missing a majority of the game versus TCU, was trending on Twitter for a couple tweets saying that, you know, he's expected to be out with a grade three shoulder separation. He's supposed to be out for the entire year. A couple of those got viral. A bunch of people started tweeting about it. (laughs) He responded with, sheesh. That's news to me. Yeah. and I feel like that's so funny nowadays with with social media and Twitter and everything. It used to be, you know, you don't have to be fast with your information; just make sure that it's right. But nowadays, it's the exact opposite. Nobody cares if you're right; just be fast.
1: No, you have to be first. No, it is weird because like when we little, I'm I'm in a sports reporting class right now, and they're stressing us like, yeah, guys, you want to be fast, but you need to make sure your information is right. Yeah, because if you put something out there. And you're just hoping it, – it it's like there's no
0: repercussions for being wrong anymore. Mm-hmm. No, there's not at all. It's, it's ah, dang, okay, well, my tweet will get forgotten about. Or, you know, even if it does – even if your tweet does trend for a couple of days on Twitter or whatever, as soon as next weekend happens, you'll, you're completely forgotten about. And, yeah, like you said, nothing ever happens. Reporters, I feel like, are so, have it so easy nowadays. Again, ask the guy asking Shane Beamer, you know, do you, does your team still have fight? Like he, it's almost like he's asking, wanting to get a reaction. And I mean, I guess you could say that he got one from Beamer, but I feel like it was the correct one. And I mean, stuff like this, again, you're just, you're trying to report out whatever you can to get your name relevant. So then when your quarterback or when the quarterback that you're talking about responds going, huh. Uh, that's crazy. I didn't know that he was gonna miss. It. Oh, he. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't know I was gonna miss it. <laughs> like, no, it's, just, it's, it's just actually weird.
1: it's actually a really interesting conversation that I, we could actually do a whole probably show about if we didn't have you know college football going on and crazy. And maybe in the spring, if like it's a little died down on sports, we could talk about it. But yeah, like just sports reporters being accountable and not trying to be first all the time. I feel like uh I feel like a lot more of that would be better. But again, I feel like it's it's only getting worse. So you never know. But we will do our last three knots. Uh, coming up after the break,
0: but you are listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1. Welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1. You're listening with Christian and Donovan. We're going through our knots on this on the segment of who's hot and who's not. Donovan, I heard there's a couple good teams in Los Angeles.
1: Uh, I'm surprised you did hear that because uh, <laughs> not not a lot of people are talking about this. Obviously, U.S. the USC Trojans. Again, I feel like I was just talking about this with another team, but kind of been in a lull the past couple of years. Haven't really found their fit, footing. Just seems like head coaches come in and go. But they're undefeated this year, six and zero, and everybody's talking about them, ranked top ten. But that, actually, there's another team in California. Really? Yeah, and yeah, and actually in a in L.A. To be honest oh. with you, yeah, that same city, UCLA. Uh, the Bruins—not too bad, but again, nobody is talking about them. Nobody comes to their games, and they're or they're ranked 11, aren't they're they? 11th, yeah, 11th in the country. Big-time program too. Like UCLA is no slouch. I mean, they've had huge success, and just empty stadiums week after week. It's just, like again, in the Rose Bowl, one, I was of, the, say, it's what, yeah, one of the greatest one stadiums of, in college football. One of the most historic, just sporting sites in the world. It's just. To me it baffles me that they can't get anybody to come to their games and they're good. Like even when Auburn's bad people come to their games. I uh, I and it's not like oh it must be just California football. No, no USC doesn't have a problem with this uh they pack out that stadium yeah.
0: even when they're not good. So what what do you think UCLA's problem is? I really I mean honestly I don't know. I don't know if it's like a little brother type atmosphere or or what it is. I mean I guess you could refer to it as like I guess the national media could be credited a little bit because of the a whole offseason with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley and just USC being USC. I feel like I feel like UCLA hasn't necessarily been, quote, relevant. and I, I feel like I haven't heard too much about them prior to maybe a year or so ago than when Josh Rosen led UCLA from that like 49-14 to 14 comeback win over Texas A&M like a, a while ago with the fake spike and stuff like that. But I really don't know. I don't know what you need to do there, because again, you're 12 miles from USC. It's not like you're having to try and find people to come. I mean, you're in Los Angeles, arguably the most populated city in the country. I mean, I, don't quote me on that, but again, I have I have no idea. I mean, we talk about it. A, t- a top 25 matchup last weekend, and 37% of the stadium was full. I don't understand how that's even possible. When you're 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 coming to watch a top twenty five matchup, I feel like if there's a top twenty five matchup here, I mean you're looking forward to it for from <laughs> from final game on or when the game goes final on Saturday until next Saturday on kick uh, kickoff. Oh
1: no, you got a top twenty five matchup in Jordan Hair uh, Upper Deck's two hundred plus dollars. Yeah, and that I mean, it, and it's hard to find tickets, and people pay them. Uh, people like uh, even people that I, I know a lot of people that really. Should maybe shouldn't or can't afford shoot I've done it I've, <laughs> yeah no, I say i, I I've, saying, I've, I've, I've paid for games in Jordan hare that I really didn't need to be spending that much money on a what a four hour experience but dude there's just nothing like it I just say like like it, I don't want to say like come on man but like come on man like yeah. you' like, y'all, 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 like get your crap together like y'all are a big time program and y'all are playing some really good football like go support your guys but uh who do you who do you got for your second knot
0: well it's a name that's kind of been floating around here We promised not to ever talk about another coach while Harson is here because we both respect uh, Harson and we kind of feel we kind of have the same opinions about you know everything that's happened in his situation. But uh, Deion Sanders is in the limelight, which I mean is you know pretty much right where he wants to be, but not necessarily the most positive way ever. Uh, I don't know if anybody catched it. I'm gonna go with no. But Jackson State beats Alabama State. 20 to 12 this past weekend and there's a little drama that happens post game with Dion and head coach Eddie Robinson jr is he denied a post game bro hug if you want to call it yeah, a little bro hug uh, following the game and Dion didn't take that very well but after the game stuff gets leaked about what all happened post or pre-game or whatever and I guess Dion was you know talking his talk about the game and then before the game, I don't. I don't know. Dion talked about it afterwards, and he called it. It's his way of motivating himself. But he takes the long. he takes the long walk to his sideline, and the long walk includes at least there, walking through the entire Alabama State warmups and walking past their entire sideline on the way to his sideline. So, again, I don't. I don't want to get too much into it. But I don't necessarily hate what the Alabama State head coach did, just because I mean, if you're gonna walk in this place, you know you're coach prime. If you feel like you can do whatever you want, you know I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come up and try and try and talk the whole time. Uh, coach Robinson said that he was at the fifty yard line the entire pregame. Dion never walked up to him, never said anything to him, and Robinson actually said. Uh, talking about Dion said, I hope that he comes back next year, and I pray that he doesn't get a Power Five job because we're gonna go play them next year in Jackson, and I pray that they put us for their homecoming game. And I feel like that's almost like a rivalry that nobody would think of happening, but with everything that happened this week, you know, you could almost see ESPN, you know, putting a little bit of headline on that. You could see that game televised just because of of everything that happens, and then in the post game interview with Coach Robinson, uh, he says that uh, Coach Dion, he ain't swack. Swack is the Southwestern Athletic Conference. He says that he ain't swack. And he talks about what he's done for, the, for Jackson State has been very good, but he's not somebody that deserves to be there because Coach Prime has had everything he's ever needed in his life, saying he's not swack. So Coach Dion shows up on Tuesday for practice wearing a hoodie on the front that says, Who is swack? He turns around and on the back it says, I am swack. So, real quickly, just wanted to get your opinion. What do you think, again, not, not referring to Auburn, yeah. but what do you think about that sort of attitude? How do you think that would progress into a Power 5 head coaching job? Or do you like it? I mean, do you like the, the style and the flair that he brings for those types of players that he knows that he'll be able to recruit?
1: Yeah, I feel like you can go either way on this, or I feel like you could easily go either way on this, and I'm pretty staunch in what I believe. Uh, I don't like it at all. I'm very much uh, a class guy. I think you should show people like respect. You show class. I don't. Again, if, if you're if you're Alabama and you're playing Marshall, you you show you show the opposing team that's coming to your um coming to your stadium some class. You know, you shake their hand. You talk to them for the game. You know, I just I, I didn't like it at all. I didn't like anything he did. But really, the thing that kind of, which I thought was childish, was the custom hoodie. I, I yeah. didn't, I didn't like that at all. At who is what I am sweat. Like, like come on, dude! Like you're, and it's it's not even supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about your players. Like, right. you're, you're like, like Dion. Like, I mean, and I'm going an, I'm an Atlanta fan. So I, I, so as far as a player, I, I, love Dion Sanders, but it's not like it's not your show anymore. It's it's the players. They're the ones who are playing now, and you need to coach them. And I just don't think that's a very good example. I don't think it's very arrogant. He just. He, it almost thinks he almost thinks like he just kind of runs the show and this oh this is a little conference and this is my conference and and we're never going to lose and, re, and I'm going to do whatever I want until I eventually leave for a big Power Five head coaching job. But I don't know if I'm if I'm an athletic director. Obviously, Dion's like really, he, he's he's a really sexy hire. He, yeah. I, think, I think he's a great recruiter. Obviously, he was a great player. But as far as uh, the antics he pulled on Saturday, I uh, I was not a fan. I did not love it.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, there's definitely definitely some question marks that that could come up definitely recruiting and player relations are not one of them so he's definitely a a risk reward type of guy and so we'll see what happens what happens in the future I know there's a couple teams that are kind of on the block of do we want this guy and again Auburn is one of those teams but it could always be worse, couldn't it? No, it could always be
1: worse. Uh, and we like, like we said, unfortunately, Auburn was expected to be at this point. We are, uh, we're, yeah. we're five hundred right now, um, going into Ole Miss uh, this Saturday, which we'll talk about a little later in the show. The show, but two teams that were not expected to be here are Arkansas and Texas A and M. Again, Arkansas was my pick to to maybe challenge Bama for the West, a little dark horse, and then A and M was. The other t- the like the the nation's pick to challenge Bama, but these guys are both five hundred two, both three and three. A and M looks just looks like they can't do anything on offense at all. Kind of looking like Auburn a little bit. And again, we're gonna talk about that last play in that Bama game where it, it wasn't even a competitive play. We're, 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 like what what was Jimbo thinking? Just that throw to the sideline. Just what. what did he think that was gonna work?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know. Double covered, you try and throw a ball at the front pylon too. I I I I understand. I wouldn't necessarily agree with it, but if you have a guy that you think can go up and win a fifty fifty ball, you throw a ball at the back pylon and let him go up and make a play, rest your season on that. That's at least that's at least a little bit respectable. But when you're double teamed, you try and throw a ball at the front pylon, I just I just don't see it. And when you're looking at the sky cam too, he had no pressure. There was there was no blitz coming. Everybody for Alabama was putting their heels on the end zone line. So, I mean, he le- legitimately could have stood there the entire game and waited for somebody to get open, but he didn't. And, yeah, I mean, it seems like that play almost wraps up their entire season. And we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but it seems like Johnny Manziel finally grew some fans because everybody seemed to agree with his tweets. Oh, uh, He tweeted – quote one of my one of the worst calls i've ever seen in my life you have one play to beat the number 1 team in the country and that's what we run he then follows it <laughs> decent little rant he goes every single practice you have a goal line period and you practice these types of situations that's a joke for an ending for the aggies and it's hard to disagree because you do you run you run a pl- you run packages and you run all right we have four fourth down or four two four gosh four two point conversion type plays and you run them and you perfect them and you do what you need to do to feel comfortable running those in what seems like an awkward situation so I don't think that that's obviously one of those plays that could have been drawn up and he follows the entire tweets by saying we didn't think that we could hang with Bama for an entire game once you're in that position to win the game in a single play go for the kill and he's he's completely right when you when you're in a situation like that where you feel like you don't have a shot in the dark to to compete and and maybe you couldn't maybe you can maybe you can't but if you tell Jimbo before the game especially with everything going on preseason hey you're going to have one play to win the game I don't understand why that's the one you run.
1: No, it didn't make much sense to me. And I've seen some really bad, like, goal line plays. Like, I- I've never been a fan of the fade route.
0: Uh, at like, Penn State yeah. last year. Yeah, <laughs> I like Penn how the- you knew exactly what I was
1: referencing. Uh, But uh, but even that's a way more high percentage play than what than what they ran. I mean, I just that, – that that play's never going to work unless you're – again, I guess your receiver makes a spectacular pet play. I don't get it at all. And, again, it just kind of – it just kind of looked like he, he said hut. He looked immediately there and, like, w- we're going there no matter what. I'm making this throw. And, again, I even if he catches it, like, does he score? It kind of looked like that. He might have been, like, out at the one. Like, he didn't even – it's kind of like when – it infuriates me when people have, like, third and eight plays and – like a receiver will come back like a little comeback route that's only six yards, and so like you complete the pass, but you didn't even get to the first down. Like get to the first down or get to the goal line. I just – again, I I would have rather seen like a run up the middle or something or a slant or something, something a little more high percentage than – I mean, I I don't even know what you call that, what they ran, but uh, we are going to take a little break. We will come back with the week seven preview. We're going to have to do that really quick, and then we're going to try to talk about Auburn – Try to squeeze them in because it's not great here on the plains right now. But you are to listen to Tailgate Talk on Weagle ninety one point one, and welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle ninety one point one. We're gonna go over the week uh, seven preview really quick because we kind of ran we kind of ran a little long uh, talking about some other stuff. We actually discussed this how we wish our show was just a little bit longer because I feel like we we have so much to talk about when we have to like cram it into this uh, little fifty minute segment. But uh, first up, uh, just Penn State. At uh, Michigan, top ten matchup, Michigan's favored by seven. What do you think about that game?
0: I like the spread. I do. Uh, I mean, the question is, how legit are both of these teams? Obviously, we expected to put up a little bit more of a fight against Penn State, but seeing how we look against every other team, not discrediting Penn State because they did what they needed to do completely, but it doesn't necessarily show how legit that they really are. And the same thing with with Michigan – I feel like this could go either way. I like it in Ann Arbor. Big noon kickoff. I have it here. I think Michigan stalls early and Penn State gets up two scores, whether that's 10 or 14. But halftime, momentum begins to shift. Late in the third, uh, continues to shift. And I got Michigan scoring two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to win 27-20. to 20.
1: Yeah, I actually like that a lot. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a game between Michigan's run game and Penn State's run defense. Uh, Michigan running back Blake Corum is second nationally with 11 touchdowns and third in total yards among running backs with 735. And then Penn State ranks fifth nationally, only allowing 80 yards rushing a game. So I feel like that's definitely going to be the contrast. But I like your score prediction. I I think it's going to be maybe a a little higher. I I got 31-27, but I also do have Michigan. I like Michigan and Ann Arbor. Uh, Next up we have number eight, Okie State. At number thirteen, TCU. Both these teams are undefeated. TCU is favored by four. Uh, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you get you get really into the numbers here. I have a bunch of them, but the main main thing is is that Derek Mason defense that that world famous Derek Mason defense going to be able to stop Dugan in that TCU offense? And I think the answer is definitely not. Uh, if we're being honest, I don't think either defense is going to be able to completely stop the other offense. It's going to be all right. Which team is gonna which Which team's gonna be the first one to force the offense to settle for a field goal? Yep. Or which team which defense is gonna come away with a a red zone interception late in the game to win it or something like that? Uh, the over under is sixty eight and a half. I don't see how that game is even close to the under. I feel like both teams could put up that many. Uh, both teams are averaging. For, ex- actually, it's kind of crazy. The teams are pretty similar. Both teams are averaging exactly forty six point four points per game, and they're both giving up. 24.8 and then 23.8 points per game, respectively. So if you're looking at two very similar teams, they're both giving up more than 400 yards of offense. I think over 1,000 yards of offense are going to be gained in this this game right here. And again, it's going to be which other team holds the offense to three. But I got TCU in a very big game. Fifty nine to fifty
1: five. Yeah, I like that too. I actually in my notes I have battle of high powered offense and then classic Big Twelve game. This yeah. is this is gonna be in the forties or fifties. They both rank top five nationally in total uh, offense and uh, scoring offense. But I'm actually I'm gonna disagree with you. I got Oklahoma State again, but I feel like this game could go either way. Yeah. Uh, and again, I got I got uh, fifty nine to uh, fifty two. Just a just a really high scoring. Again, classic Big 12 game where both offenses do something ridiculous, maybe a turnover leans it one way or another. Real quick, number 16 Mississippi State uh, at number 22 Kentucky. State is favored by four. What do you got?
0: Man, I actually did make a prediction because this was this was such a weird game for me. I mean, Levis is set to go again, quote, barring any setbacks. So, which stat is going to give Mississippi State averages over three hundred and fifty yards of passing game or of passing per game, while Kentucky only gives up one hundred and seventy four? I've bet against Mississippi State too many times this, so far this season, and especially with Will Levis coming back, he's not going to be a hundred percent. They're going to have to rely on that run game with Chris Rodriguez. And I think if Mississippi State can play for that with a very good front four, I think Mississippi State gets it done. I like them by four, which that's the spread. But I like them by a touchdown. Give me – Give me 38-27.
1: Okay, I like it. Yeah, obviously I've been high on Kentucky, but they have lost two straight. Mississippi State, ever since dropping LSU, have just looked on fire. It is the battle of Wills, in my opinion. It's a battle, a yeah. Q- QB battle, Will Rogers versus Will Levis. What Will Levis still is, I think he's still going to be a little banged up. I got State 2 in this one. Again, I think it's going to be pretty close. I got it 24-21. Uh, but uh, very tight game. I think it'll be a very good game, also. Uh, real quick, number seven, USC at number 20, Utah. Utah actually is favored, even though USC is ranked much higher than them. Utah's favored by three and a half. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, Caleb Williams has looked really good so far. He has struggled at certain points. Uh, U- Utah fell to UCLA last week. And it's almost like I don't want to have faith in Utah dropping two, especially at their place. But then at the same time, I saw a stat that said that UCLA or USC, I'm sorry, leads the turnover margin at plus two point three three per game. That's a humongous stat line. If you're averaging almost two and a half more turnover, or you're getting two and a half more turnovers than you're giving the other team, I mean, I feel like if that's the case, that happens on Saturday, USC can comfortably win. Uh, it's a big game for the Pac-12. I got USC. I'll uh, go complete underdog here. Not only covering, but outright winning. I got USC by a field goal, 31 to 28.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's it's really gonna come down to uh, Utah's uh, two weapons: their quarterback Cam Rising and the running back Tavon, uh, Tavon Thomas. Uh, can they get back on? To, uh, can they get back onto form? And I think they do. I think Utah does cover. I think they win 31 uh, to 24 uh, and uh, give USC their first loss of the season. Number 15, NC State versus number 18, Syracuse. Big game in ACC. Uh, I think we're just going to skip over this one. Uh, But uh, I do have NC State winning that one. You thinking that too? You got Syracuse, you got the orange. Okay. Uh, And that does bring us to the big game this weekend and the game I think everybody's waiting for. Number three, Alabama is favored by seven and a half going to Tennessee, who is ranked number six uh bryce young versus hendon hooker two great quarterbacks bryce young is expected to play after missing last week uh really really big get big game tennessee hasn't beat Bamett in 15 years nick Saban has never lost to tennessee but i feel like there, there's some there's a rumbling this could be the year what do you think
0: yeah there's definitely something in the air like you said nick saban has never lost to tennessee tennessee whatever uh well, we're going to close your ears Tennessee fans because Tennessee is 0 and 33 versus top 10 opponents since 2007. Mm. That's a tough stat that, line to that's get a... over. <laughs> like even even 10 and 30 or something is at least I guess respectable. You're winning every 3 every 4 games against a top 10 opponent, but 0 and 33 in the past decade and a half like that is that is a hard stat line to overcome but then again like you said there's there's something brewing in Knoxville there's something brewing at Neyland I don't know what they're putting in the checker checkered board. I don't know what golf balls they're throwing on the field to get that kind of luck but Alabama by over a touchdown considering how poorly Alabama has looked on the road is a bit surprising. No, I, I don't get it either.
1: I mean, if you look at Tennessee, they're, they're ranked number one in the nation in offensive production with 340 passing yards per game. I think that's top ten. And then 47 points per game. That's what the Vols offense is putting up. And then again, Bama has looked really rocky, especially on the road against, like, good teams. And, again, if Texas has Quinn Ewers, does Bama drop that game? They, A&M has looked horrendous this year, and they're one play away from losing that game, too. I don't know how this line is seven and a half. Maybe it's just because it's Bama and Tennessee hasn't met them in like literally forever, but I don't know. I just feel like this is, this, if this is the year for Tennessee to do it, they're going to do it this year. They've got a great quarterback. It is at home. They're ranked number six, great offense. Bama has looked vulnerable. It doesn't look like they have everything together. And we don't know if Bryce Young's going to be 100%. And if Bryce Young isn't 100%, Bama's offense looks to be to really struggle, as you saw with the Arkansas game when he went out and then this AM game. It's just, I think this is a really interesting one.
0: Yeah, it brings a lot of different components because there's still, I mean, again, this is only Wednesday when we're sitting here making predictions. But as of right now, there's still a bunch of what ifs because if Bryce Young is out of the game, honestly, I could see the spread flipping. And that's a humongous flip spread, but when you're looking at uh, how Alabama's offense looked last week, obviously their run game was still there, but Alabama and Saban need Bryce Young. Honestly, Alabama's defense needs Bryce Young to be able to get them off the field and put drives together because the Tennessee offense is electric. They can put up points in a hurry. They can put points... Up on the ground, Hooker throws one of the better deep balls that I've seen this year. He threw a couple against LSU that were just on the money. Oh, man. Again, we could we could come back to this on Friday and things could be completely different. But I'm going to do something crazy. I'll say Alabama covers.
1: Wow. Just because I, – I didn't think that where that was going. Okay, interesting. Just because
0: Alabama's favored, but at the same time, if you look – and get the vibe around the country, I feel like you're almost looking at, like, does Alabama have a chance in this game? And that's just not something – that's not something that I want to throw my money against Bama on yeah. because although Bama's favored, <laughs> you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't bet against Alabama in games like this. You just, you just don't. And, I mean, again, that Texas game, you don't want to call it a fluke or you don't want to play – you don't want to call the A&M game a fluke because, again, there's – Tennessee, or Texas, I'm sorry, had everything to play for against Alabama. a and um, it's an SEC West game. They always play Alabama tight. But this right here, it's one of those games that Alabama isn't necessarily putting their entire season on the line for this game. Tennessee, you're looking at it. Tennessee, we haven't beaten Alabama in forever. We haven't been good and honestly, forever. And... I don't know. If Bryce Young is able to play, and again, that's a very very big asterisk right now that's still up in the air. I do. I think Bryce Young takes care of business. Uh, I don't know if we want to say that Hooker plays poorly, but it could almost be, be a game of offenses, and this could be one of the higher scoring SEC games that we see this year. Give me Alabama 45-34. to 34. Really? That's a
1: Okay, that's an interesting prediction. I honestly didn't think that's where that was going. Me I, neither,
0: honestly. If you would have told me that 15 minutes ago, I probably would have told you otherwise.
1: I, I'm going to make a bold prediction here, too, and I, I don't know how bold it is, but just just seeing how Georgia's been playing, I haven't been real impressed with them the last couple of weeks. I feel like the winner of this game might end up being your SEC champion, and also okay. we might be seeing this game again in uh, yeah. in Atlanta. I, would almost, I wouldn't bet on it because, again, Georgia is ridiculously talented, but I could totally see Tennessee beating Georgia. I could see this game. Again, I could see the rematch happening in Atlanta, and you never know then. But it is, it's is—it's in Neyland. I feel like Tennessee just got so much going for them. Hendon Hooker looks on point. There's a lot of questions for Bama. If Bryce Young is out, I think Tennessee wins this. Not easy, but I think they definitely win it. I agree. I still think they win it, even with Bryce Young coming back. I think Hendon Hooker gets the job done. I think it's going to be high scoring, too. I got it I got it 38-35. And, again, this game, to me, could really go either way. But I de- I don't think Bama covers. But then again, it it, it wouldn't surprise me if Bama came out one by like three touchdowns. Right. Because it, it it's, it's just it, it's something they would do. Where like oh like Bama Bama could actually get beat this week and then they go blow them out. It only seems like Bama only ever almost loses when they're playing like a decent team that they're expected to
0: kill. Exactly. And that's why again I don't know if I'm not completely confident in my opinion, but that's the reason because you don't bet against Alabama, especially. I mean they're favored by. The spread here is a touchdown, or a, a seven and a half. But it, the vibe around everything is, man, Tennessee should run away with this game. And you're like, what? Yeah, it's Bama. You're yeah. playing Nick Saban, and as of right now, what we think of is, as Bryce Young. And you're telling me that, that Alabama doesn't have a chance? No, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it.
1: Well, we are actually going to go into overtime again this week. We did it last week. I know our producers are probably going to kill us again, but we're going to go one more segment because we got to talk about the Auburn Tigers, unfortunately. I don't really want to, but we do have to. (laughs) Uh, You are listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1. And welcome back into Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1. We are into the overtime segment of our show. Uh, If you just hear us go off air just suddenly without forewarning, (laughs) you don't even hear the outro. It's just because me and Christian just got fired for going over for the second time. But we have to talk about the Auburn Tigers because we are – we do go to Auburn. We're broadcasting out of the Student Center here, and Auburn, uh, unfortunately – Dropping a really close game to Georgia, forty-two to ten, in Athens. Defense actually looked pretty good for a good bit of the game, but just the offense, just it just hasn't gotten any better. It just look does not look very good at all.
0: No, and again, like the, the I don't necessarily hate the play calling in certain situations. It's just the timing. I don't agree with that fake punt on our thirty-four yard line when it's zero to zero. You've had essentially three three and outs from the Georgia offense maybe a first down or two here and there but you're basically just playing a field position game for the entire first quarter and then all of a sudden let's try and do something crazy and then I mean granted again if you if you look at it if we get one block we have a first down but then again that play gets snuffed out we don't get it they score on a 34 yard touchdown drive. We go three and out. They score. All of a sudden, you look at it and it's 14 to nothing. And you're like, wow, I feel like we were in the game three minutes ago.
1: No, it's weird, especially on that fake punt. I remember I was watching it with my dad and he goes, uh, immediately, we, we thought, like, why do you hand it to Shanker? Like, well, that, that's just, I, yeah. thought, I thought that was a weird thing. Like, nothing against Shanker, but uh, you figured you'd give it to a little more speedy guy than him. And then I thought, wait, why did you even do that? You, you've went three and out the past two drives. Let's say you do get the first down. You're probably going to go three and out again. <laughs> I, I like. Uh, I feel like the the risk reward there was. That's no, not. That's a no brainer. And I get that season hasn't been going well. You're trying to ignite the uh, ignite the team. You know, get get some sparks flying. I just. And I don't mind. I, I hate when coaches go super conservative. But you, you just, to me that was just a dumb play call. Yeah, at again, just the no. worst time. I don't even. I don't even hate the fake punt, but. I don't know, I actually do I don't really just go for it. Just just yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna go for it, just go for it with a play. Don't run a fake punt that on your own side of the field where you haven't been doing anything all game. I, I didn't like that call at all.
0: Yeah, no, I'm on the same boat as you. I don't I understand the the necessity and the the almost the, the you're desperate to, to get something going, but sometimes you just have to take your own medicine and you gotta try and do everything you can to shorten the game and you know, again, like as you said, the fake punt isn't the worst decision ever. It's just the, the the time of it. And if say say we say we I mean again, say we don't go three and out there, we get a couple first downs, we're at midfield, then we run it, then you run the fake punt, it's at least, okay, like we're at midfield, it's almost like we went for it, didn't get it. But yeah, again, I mean you give you give a Georgia offense who's struggling a thirty five yard drive, all of a sudden that's when things can click because I think Stetson Bennett threw one past that drive, and it was literally just like a quick screen. Yeah. Um, and then the next drive, he might have thrown one more time because they figured everything out. But it just—it's crazy how fast things can get out of hand.
1: No, it was—it was almost like a carbon cut copy of the game of 2016 when, when we had Sean White. We went down there and we came, we didn't get past the 50 once. That's literally the exact game. It reminded me of. We just couldn't get anything going on offense. Defense played pretty good. But, again, your defense can't do everything when your offense is just, just absolutely, like, I mean, we're just showing a dud and just can't do anything out there.
0: Yeah. And it's crazy because when we do do something good and we start to get momentum, um, you know, it's almost like we shoot ourselves in the foot, whether it's whether it's penalties or fumbles. I, I saw something that said we were, we were first in the FBS with fumbles. We had 15 going into Georgia, and I know we had a couple more then. Uh, so I mean, I guess you gotta lead the country in one thing. So
1: yeah, yeah, go Tigers and all that. But so so you have Ole Miss this week, right? You're three and three going into Ole Miss. They're undefeated, and I feel like that. I feel like I have my glasses on. Ole Miss has looked really shaky in a lot of games, especially that performance against Vanderbilt, where Vanderbilt was leading him at halftime last Saturday. I uh, I'm just gonna pose this question, and I feel like it's been posed. so I don't think it's controversial. If Auburn does drop that game uh, in the Grove uh, this Saturday, do you think Harson is uh, out of a job?
0: It's such a hard question to ask because usually when you look at coachings being fired or coaching changes being needed, it's because you've lost the entire locker room. Harson hasn't done that. These players are still very much on board with Harson saying, you know, we're going to play for our coach. This is our coach. And as bad as we've looked, I don't wanna say that we look or that we've given up. I mean, again, we don't have things going, but it's not like we're sitting there just giving up the entire game. So I don't know. It's such a hard question to answer. And I don't I don't wanna say that it would be good for Harson, because obviously, you know, you don't wanna just say that like I'm gonna give up on a team or something like that. But it, looking at it, I don't feel like it would be the worst situation for either either team or either party because you look at all the controversy that's going on, it's almost like he just has to, to get out for, for himself and his family and for whoever he's going to coach for next.
1: No, I agree. I, I feel like it's a combination of things. I, I definitely think that he's kind of been – Behind the eight ball, uh with from no, for no fault of his own, ever since he's been here, especially before using. I'm about to say, but especially this off season was just, I mean, horrendous. And I think, honestly, it's it's gotten to the point where I don't think you can mend that relationship. I think it's no. done. I think it's cut. And again, I was, I'm, I try to be the biggest Harson defender. I like, I, I, I do think he's a good coach. You just go look at his Boise State record. I mean, he. He's a good coach. He really is, and I hope wherever he goes, I honestly hope he kills it. Oh yeah. And he and he kind of he kind of not really shut like just shows up some people here that maybe it's never believed. Same in thing him, as but, the Bo Nix situation. Yeah, but like you kind of you just hope like you know what I hope he goes somewhere, um, another Power Five school, maybe a smaller one. And he turns that program around and leads him to like a New Year Six Bowl or something like that. Just kind of show like, oh, yeah, like I actually am a good coach, but y'all just never believed in me. But yeah. no, I feel like it's gotten to a point where you can't really do it effectively. And and, I'm, and and I will be a little critical of him here. Auburn Auburn just doesn't look like they've improved any, especially with the the Georgia game. Just that offense just does not look. It just looks really bad. And again, it's not even the play calls, it's just
0: like we can't do anything. No, the execution just just isn't there. And I mean, yeah, there's there's a bunch of question marks that you, you hope to have figured out by this point in the season. If this is week one to week two and you're looking at it like the offense isn't isn't where we want it to be, you're like, Okay, you got another week got a couple another weeks, even if you start three and one, like you're okay, but then all of a sudden you're looking at it, you're halfway through the season going yeah, the offense just we, we can't seem to get it going. You're like, um, <laughs> well, something needs to change, or else you're going to be run out of the stadium in every single game.
1: Yeah. So the the question that I did ask, should, uh, w- I said, Will Harson get fired? And you know, I feel like you can go, you can do do this from two angles. Like, will he, like will he get fired, or and then should he get fired? I feel like he will get fired if he loses this game. I feel like that's just been the rumblings. Like, he's gone if he loses this game, and I get that. Should he? In a perfect world, no. But in this certain situation, and it's again no fault of his own, if you told me Auburn was three and four and like maybe th- like like last season you're like, Oh, Auburn's gonna start at three and four, his horse gonna get fired the next week, I'd be like, No. Like, no, yeah. it's his second year. We we could we could go six and six and he probably still doesn't get fired. It's a second year, but everything that's happened, you you almost feel like it's better just to like just cut the cord, cut the ties now. And because, you know, it just, it feels like it's a, it's a ticking clock. That's going to go off eventually. So you might as well just run it out now. Yeah.
0: Especially with the, with the bye week coming up, it's almost an easy, an easy transition or whatever. And it is kind of ironic. We won't, we won't get into it too much, but a name that has been, been looming around here along with Deion Sanders is Mr. Lane Kiffin. So it's kind of ironic that he can be almost the decision maker for, for this type of, of coaching job. And I mean, you know, not one to, to recruit or talk to talk. You know, poorly t- about Harson or whatever. But you know, Lane is sitting there going, "All right, we need students to show up. Please, 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 like support us, support us." Here on the plains, I don't know if you need, if you don't know if you need uh, student support or anything like that. Just just throwing that out there in case he's listening. No, I don't I don't quite
1: think we have that problem here on the plains. The students show up even when again even, even when we're down and out. Students still show up it It still boggles my mind that even when we're not very good, the only things that uh like the the top of the stands might be a little empty, but that lower bowl is always full and yeah. and the upper deck is mostly two but uh no we'll see uh hopefully maybe next week we're talking about replacements or whatever, but I guess we'll see this weekend hopefully hopefully Auburn can do something maybe pull off a huge upset,
0: yeah, I mean again not not that you feel confident going into any of the games but I feel like if there's one game where you look at it like okay like we've looked good over the past few years against them I mean I would say Ole Miss last year was the best best game that we looked at least in the first half we put up three in the second half but I don't know maybe this can be one of those games where things click and you know you can walk out of Hemingway with a win but again there's a lot of a lot of ifs thens that are going on. So. It'll be interesting to see, and yeah, regardless, we'll have a lot to talk about next week.
1: Yeah, but uh, but guys, thanks for joining us on this uh, again long version of Tailgate Talk. We keep on going over. If if you don't hear us next week, we did get fired. Uh, but no, uh, you are listen. You have listened to Tailgate Talk uh, with Christian. I am Donovan, and join us back here next Wednesday at three o'clock. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Tailgate Talk with Christian and Donovan. Tune in next week, same time, same place, Wednesdays at 3 for your weekly dose of college football.